It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour Football Acker. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their asses for 10 years. Okay, so Michael Murphy, we talked about him on Monday's show. Conan and Stevie are here with me. And Conan, I was talking to you about this this morning and you spotted it and didn't bring it up on Monday's show. So the poor fella's taken a penalty, a clutch penalty, yeah. a really important part of the game. And about 30 stewards are strolling into their positions in, in Crow Park. I didn't spot this at the time. I'm surprised Michael Murphy took the penalty while this was going on. Maybe he was just so bloody focused on that bottom left corner he didn't even notice them. But like you see a golfer lining up to a tee shot and he's the least bit of noise and they're coming back or the wind blows and they walk back, go through the routine again and address the ball again. And Michael Murphy, those stewards should all be um, disciplined for that because that's common sense. <laughs> Jesus, stop and wait. You, you yeah. Stop and wait. <laughs> like, yeah, but uh, a lot of the stewards probably on duty aren't football people, you know. They probably don't even follow sport or they're there to do a job and, and that's it. And I, I noticed it at the time, so did, and I thought, Jeez, he's a brave man actually striking the ball. But then when you think, as a uh, as a penalty taker, you want to get it over and done with. You don't want to be hanging around. Yeah. You don't well, want to be wasting time. Well, that's another part of it, yeah. Other, o- other, maybe doubts start filtering into your mind as well. But what a penalty given the circumstances. And, you know, there's no doubt, you know, uh, yes, he's probably fully focused on putting the ball exactly into the bottom left-hand corner where he, where he did put it. But in the corner of his eye, he had to have seen those stewards yeah. walking had because it's an unusual thing yeah. to be happening. Oh, yeah. It's only yet for two minutes in the game when they're called. You know what mm. I mean? At that point, yeah. it was a fifty minutes ago, ten minutes ago, whenever it is. End of match positions. End of yeah. match positions, and they all come strolling <clears> around, <throat> but not when a penalty's yeah. been taken. Like they're all wearing yeah. luminous orange coats as well because it was <laughs> pissing there at the time. Like and yeah. they were just really making their march as he was running up. It is like I, I probably would have stopped, but that would have put more pressure on him. Yeah, I think I think more doubts start creeping into your mind, yeah. and you yeah. know maybe you change your mind uh, instead of going bottom left. 
go yeah. top right or bottom right or and then you don't know what to do you're in two minds you in the run up you know I was talking about this on Monday you know you're, you've, t- you've taken penalties mm-hmm. isn't the bottom left the clutch position for a right footed right that, that, you when you're under so, yeah. most pressure that's your go-to penalty right yeah you you would always fancy your chances coming across your body and, and same with the left footer he would go bottom right yeah so he would so um probably why don't goalies <coughs> predict that a bit more because it is always that corner that they, they go yeah from. but if you hit it as well as what Michael Murphy did yeah. again you know you're still gonna have no chance anyway so yeah. but um it would be the more likely penalty that most penalty takers will up with. Yeah. yeah, no, I completely agree. Right, so I was looking at on Facebook um, last night and I saw a Sky Sports tweet or it was a tweet or a Facebook post or whatever and it was weekend talking points and their first one was moved Super 8s out of Crow Park and I was thinking how the hell is that a talking point from the weekend and who's even saying this and it was Kieran Whelan that said something about taking the neutral game out of Croke Park from the Super 8s and immediately what jumped into my mind is Kieran Whelan will be better in line moving Dublin's home game out of Croke Park than moving the neutral game for everybody else out of Croke Park I don't see this being a big deal I remember the first round last year and I see the benefit obviously of moving the neutral game into provincial venues and there's a great thing that goes with that but we have the provincial venues in the Super 8s when would we use Croke Park lads? Like it's a national stadium and We'd only ever use it then for Leinster final, all Ireland semi-finals and final. What a waste. Yeah, if you I, can't do double header super eights there, when can you do it? Yeah, I always go back to the point as a player, you want to play in Crow Park. You always dream about playing in Crow Park. Yeah. And the more often you get the chance to play there, you should be playing there. And I think the attendance with the double header at the weekend, uh, Kerry and Donegal game was, was 40 almost 50,000. So why not take games like that to Crow Park? Why not? It's, yeah. it's an ideal opportunity. And definitely, you know, if those players have any doubts about going to Crow Park and play it then they need their head examined because that's the place where you want to per- perform it. I think so I see the point they're trying to make but it's not fair it's not for all in quarterfinals I don't think plus if Donegal play Kerry there next year there'll be a hell of a lot more than 48,000 because they Absolutely. know they're going to have see drama a, and see teams going to win football, I yeah. genuinely think that the tactics like I, the amount of times I hear it and this isn't just banging the drum it's true the amount of people that say to me Gaelic football is shite do you know what I mean? Like, if you saw Kerry play Donegal next year, there'd be 10,000 more. The year after then, the same two teams, you'd be like, well, I'm going to that. Neutrals will go. Mm. Because you're going to see scores, you're going to see yeah. man on there's man. No, there's I no way it's shite, because it's, it's, you, you, you got 120 to 120 in one particular game. I know there are two In general, the attendances but are down because people can't trust the game will be entertaining. That's exactly, the truth. You know, the it's reality is, I, I, well, I, I, I do think most games have been entertaining, so do, there's different ways of, of entertaining a supporter and a fan, so there is, and I think, you know, the majority of teams go out to put in performances and it might be a defensive way or it might be an attacking way yeah. but you know coming from a coaching aspect uh, and, and a managerial aspect you know you want to look and learn from things you got there and, yeah. and but the point I'm making is that's fine from you you'd see yourself as an ex-player and a student of the game the general GA fan is yeah. not interested in those defensive games yeah. Yeah, they're not yeah. well, they're just I think, not I think in this case though it's it's probably the format like you know you get to the quarterfinals and then suddenly the, the fever dies down a bit because there's three games and it's not knockout yeah. anymore if that Donegal Kerry game was knockout then next year you'd have probably nearly a sellout if you were told next quarter final and one of these teams is going out yeah. like we went to that game and neither team is out now and both teams might go through do you know what I mean so yeah. that sort of plays into it a little bit as well it does a little bit but do you, do you take the point that a, a lot more neutrals will go to an enter that they think is going to be a game like Kerry Donegal do you know what I mean do you, oh, not, yeah. do you Ab- think people absolutely. are just going to roll up I do think the attendances absolutely. have been you affected know, by that you, you the atmosphere with 50,000 
there was only 50,000 there but the atmosphere for that Kerry Donegal game was fantastic because yeah. they had so Ab- much to cheer about brilliant. you know absolutely with the track neutrals all over the show when you've got when you've got a rivalry like that there are two teams that are going to go toe to toe with each other throughout the game then you're going to have neutrals coming from all over the country and, and it brings me back to the rivalry that we had with Throne in the mid noughties you know that brought Ulster finals to Crook Park simply because it gave everyone else in, in the country an opportunity to go and support and 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 yeah. be yeah. part of of the occasion as well. Yeah. But they were good games too, though. Like I mean, you have to remember, say, say you're all in a final against them. The first one that was a crappy game. If you played three more of those, you wouldn't be getting seventy, eighty thousand. You yeah. would be getting people wouldn't be bothered. They'd say, ah, they're crappy enough games. But you played out classics with them, so people wanted to yeah. see these classics. Exactly, yeah. So I definitely think the style of play, if it turns back around, this whole thing about Crook Park not getting attendances. It's not the Super 8s. I do take your point a little bit, maybe the Super 8 format, but I do think it has been potentially the way teams have been going about um, about games. Just mentioning the Super 8s, because Eamon Fitzmaurice was on the Sunday game and I saw a clip um, on Twitter about this. He was talking about playing two weeks in a row as severe for amateur players. And I was like, Jesus, Eamon, like, I mean, calm down. I think Eamon was thinking it's severe for managers, but didn't want to whinge about management having to turn around for another game and say he used the players to fight maybe the battle. He was thinking this is a bit much because Stephen O'Brien completely disagrees. He says games are brilliant and that's the feedback from all the surveys done with players. We want less training and more games. So it gives you great context for training and improving. So like, I mean, the Super 8s are three games in four weeks. That is not a, an over-the-top schedule for anyone. Certainly not. Um, maybe you look at <clears throat> Cork scenario over the last couple of weeks and they have performed extremely well, but they've travelled a, a queer distance for their two games to date so far. But they're getting to play in headquarters. You know, um, I don't I don't buy into that at all. Yeah. Sure, you're playing club football, you're playing week on week. You know, you want that. The, the y- argument is that if you come through qualifiers, now so Mayo and Cork are on, or Mayo and Toronto are on five weeks in a row, the, if they win next week, they'll be on six weeks or they'll be on five, six games in seven weeks. And if they get into a semi finalist the week after, that would yeah. be seven games in eight weeks. That's too much. But, uh, yeah. Well, I, now, I think that, that, that has served Throne well in the past. You know, momentum uh, bees with them and they always seem to, I suppose, be able to gel more as a team and as a unit and perform better the more consistently they are playing with each other. And I think has definitely um, served them well in, in the past. Uh, 10 years or so and that's why they are consistently getting to the knockout stages yeah I don't know though but they, t- the seven or the seven games in eight weeks that's too much yeah, of a maybe, schedule maybe, of that high maybe intensity maybe Eamon's now. thinking from a managerial point of view you know obviously injuries and, and getting players back onto the field well but, that's another point know, we see that with Mayo yeah it's a, you can't clear them up now they're hoping that the two weeks might clear them up but do you remember you were playing championship right you're consumed by it and mm-hmm. back when we were playing there'd be three weeks maybe and before matches and stuff like that week after a match, you go train on Tuesday and you're taking it easy and you're building back up slowly. It's all changing now. Seven yeah, games yeah. in eight weeks. Like I think even mentally you'd be just completely, yeah. you'd be, how to keep it going, I don't know. Like it's, that's at a level of professionalism. Yeah, I think was Keane making the point a couple of weeks ago that he would have rather have Kerry's route into the Super Rates where you got the three weeks to sort of prepare for a game. And like especially then of the semi-finals where there should be a gap between the quarters and semi because then you can just focus on one team, get your break and then start building it back yeah. up again, knowing who you're marking, knowing what you're setting up, preparing for one match. And Eamon Fitzmaurice probably doesn't like it yet because he has so many games to watch then you know, on a Sunday night and try and get ready for training yeah. the next day. I think it gives Dublin and Tyrone a huge advantage going into the last Super 8 game knowing they're true. Yeah. And let's be honest, <coughs> does it make any difference playing Kerry, Donegal or Mayo? 
No. Not really. So it's not like they say we have to be top to avoid them until yeah. the final. They don't care. Dublin and Throne will play bogey teams, I'm sure, and they're looking at a semi-final now. So they've got a two-week run into a semi-final where Donegal, Mayo and Kerry can't afford that. They have to hit that last great exactly, game hard. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see Dublin and Tyrone in the final for that reason. Quite well, possibly, yeah. I'd just like to see something a bit different. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, Tyrone might give us something different. Yeah, yeah so we'd be oh, seeing Tyrone. Maddie, I forgot about Big Maddie. We'd be seeing Tyrone this, this, but I think the Tyrone, it's a pity the Tyrone Dublin game in Oma is just going to be a dead duck. It's actually just going to be a dead duck because they're going yeah, to be yeah. we're both in the semi-finals. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a pity. Mickey Hart has been talking about the the fatigue and he says we're five weeks on the road now and maybe people are a wee bit fatigued. Five weeks on the road is a right slog for amateur players and it's trying to get themselves recovered in a few days and then prepared in another few is a tough ask. It does take its toll and a lot of travel has been involved in that also. Lads, it's a slog. It's a Listen, huge slog. It is that a slog. you're getting till Wednesday recovering, and then you're getting just Wednesday to the match, preparing for a knock or like a massive knockout championship game. And okay, super eights aren't knockout, but they're as good as because if you lose one, you're under a lot of yeah. pressure. Well, you think of it like this: you you put yourself in Cal McShane's uh, boots, for instance. Okay, if Mickey Hart decides not to play Cal McShane to rest him in the next game, you know, is that taking away his chances, an opportunity of maybe a potential all star as well? You know, as a player, you want to be playing. Yeah, no, no, and that's fair. Ah, look, but I think if you've two weeks to an all in semi final, I'd take that week off. I'd be happy to take that week yeah. off. Yeah. I think <laughs> McShane is very yeah, close to it. If McShane plays well in that semi final, he's nailed on. Yeah, you, right? you, you would think so, but you still want to play. You want to keep performing when you're at your maximum, and he is playing extremely well. He's a great target man now. And, and scoring consistently for them as well. So you want to keep that run of form going and you want to really play in every game. And I'm only putting myself, you know, if I was in his scenario, would, would, I, would I want to You'd rest? you take the week off. You know you I don't would. know. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. I wanted to, I Maybe I was a greedy bollocks. I wanted to play every game and that was it. Yeah, you know? yeah. but you wanted to play every game with a three-week break in between. Put yourself in their <laughs> shoes now. You'd take the week off, Stevie. Think about it. You would. Come on. But anyways, Alan Brogan has been talking about and the, and the Herald. I was just reading it this morning and maybe he's, I thought it was an interesting enough comment in that he says the problem with training, he's talking about training camps and he's talking about being a player at this time of year. And Alan didn't even play Super 8. So, you know, he's thinking of maybe even back when we were playing, you know, mm. when you had a two or three week mm. gap. So now it's just been cranked up to a level coming through qualifiers playing Super 8s, playing six of seven, seven of eight weekends, and it's just massive. But he was saying, the pro- he was talking about training camps and becoming absorbed in the squad and it taking over your life and everything. And he was saying, the problem with training camp is you're taking up a free weekend from players who have put a huge amount of time and headspace into the season so far. Are you overloading fellas with a full weekend of work after a hectic last few weeks? Now, this is, like, I'm t- thinking now this about a team right now going on the training camp now before even an all Ireland final yeah. you know right after coming out of the schedule <coughs> that they're in and this is Alan talking again I'll say a couple of years about when he was playing three or four years ago he said it might only be in Carton House or somewhere similar close to home but if you're coming from work on a Friday and leaving on a Sunday and then straight back into work on the Monday it doesn't really feel like any sort of a break so it's like how am I getting away from this at all you know so yeah. so the a team who comes through say it's uh, Tyrone comes through to the all Ireland final so they've played seven in eight weeks um, they're true and then they have a three week break and I'm sure they'll head away for a two week two weekend <laughs> training yeah. camp it's like holy shit I don't know how these lads are doing it lads honestly I think we should step back for a second sometimes and just think about what these lads are doing and sacrificing for 
pretty much the whole country's enjoyment during the summer. Yeah. It's true though. And then all we do is complain. And about then it. you give out. And then you complain. And like, I mean, it's, I don't mind complaining or criticising a performance, but it always has to remind yourself what they're actually doing. Yeah, I think it's the timing of training camps. Uh, training camps in RDA was pre-championship and you went and done it. You didn't really get the opportunity to go, you know, for a collective training camp mid-season, uh, particularly in the middle of the championship season. But, the further you went in the championship, you're always dragged away weekends away. So, yeah. so that doesn't change. You know, you weren't probably training as as consistently as what the players are now, but you were still being dragged away from your own family life. And and maybe that's the point that Alan's trying to make here as well. You know, there has to be a happy medium between family life and and your sporting life as well. And um, you know, when there is a chance there for players to spend a couple of days with their kids or with their wives or, or girlfriends, whatever, maybe you know, give them that opportunity. Yeah. Sometimes that refreshes the body and mind more so than anything else as well. Now, I do appreciate there's club players around the country <coughs> listening to podcasts going, You, what an asshole! I do that, no problem. Yeah, yeah I was just thinking but that you'll, you'll do it if you're you'll, yeah. that's grand. And look, I often you see Premier League soccer players complaining about you know, and what was the big one Stephen Hunt complaining about the rest yeah, yeah. and we were like oh my god and I only love to sit on the couch yeah. and watch telly yeah. but when you're in it you can't you don't know until you're in it yeah. and then you know yeah because um, I, I was just thinking about even the amount of work club players do and they're not going to training camps every weekend and playing seven games in eight weeks certainly not but like my club in Derry back home I remember the stage we were training on a Wednesday at half six in the morning and training again Wednesday night and you know you were you were doing like three four times a week and you were going in the morning sometimes to get extra sessions and that's just to try and win a senior championship match and then lose the next round do you know what I mean yeah. like so it's it's mad like and it probably yeah. does get easier when you're Tyrone and then you get to a semi-final and then a final you start getting better goals and, and yeah mind. no it's true well like that's way over the top for club players anyways I think that should be that's outrageous training club players twice a week but anyways we'll, get, we'll wait twice, for twice a day we'll wait <laughs> twice a day we'll we'll wait for uh, club season to start giving out about that kind of stuff <laughs> <laughs> so Killian O'Connor I don't know whether to believe him I actually do believe him a little bit he he said he didn't realise he was breaking the all time scoring record in the history of the GEA and he didn't know that's that point he kicked um, against Kerry broke the record so he said genuinely um, and there's a lovely bit in this about uh, Seamus O'Shea he says genuinely I didn't even know that one or, I didn't even know what one it was I swear we were getting beaten I was trying to get the ball over the bar as quick as I could Seamus O'Shea was shouting at me to hurry up we were sitting up for we were setting up for the kick out the game is going 100 miles an hour you're not thinking about stuff like that so I don't know anything about breaking records two or three points is my <laughs> maximum in a game Stevie you think he's I love the way Seamus O'Shea Seamus yeah. O'Shea definitely didn't know that that was the record for record but yeah <laughs> yeah, well, there there was a lot in the media there was. In, in the coming in in the lead up to that game, but I would say you know when you're in in that environment, you you probably don't read things as, as much. And I would I would actually tend to believe Killian O'Connor to be honest. I think he's an honest type of character anyway. And I would say you know he he knew that he was up close enough to the top, but he didn't he didn't probably realize or understand how close he was to the top. And um, definitely. Uh, a large part of me thinks that he's telling the truth, and yeah. you know, no, I definitely think. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm tend to agree with him as well. But you always remember what you're scoring in the game, right? So, like, yeah. I mean, I've never lost count of what I've scored in the game, obviously, because I can. <laughs> they're on one, they're easy, on yeah. one hand. <laughs> but I'd often, I'd be thinking during the game, geez, I'm on three here now. Wouldn't mind getting another one. That would yeah. move me up to four. Would you be thinking like this during? Yeah, listen, you, well. Your your job as a forward, I keep saying this. Well, you if you're wearing number ten to fifteen. 
in the, in the team your primary responsibility is to get scores for the team and you want to get as many scores as possible and and yes there has to be an element of greed comes into that there um, so you always be thinking you know if I can fi- if, if you have four points I want to I want to get the five I want to get the six I want to get the seven I want to score as much as possible and it gives your, your team a greater chance of winning the game then if, if you're doing your job but, uh, it would, you yeah, but, but it would be always in your head what you've scored oh, or absolutely, what you're on. always in your head but in saying that, when I retired, I remember Paddy Ognugent, who was the, the county secretary at the time, I, I contacted him. I said, listen, do you keep a, a record of the scoring uh, stats? And he did. And he was be, he was able to notify me of what I scored throughout my career, league and championship. And it wasn't until my career was finished that I actually started, uh, worried myself about that there, you know, wondered what it was, the total. So maybe Killian O'Connor's in the same scenario as well. Yeah, maybe, geez, if you're four off and you're on four in the game, I I don't know how he didn't know this is to break it. Yeah. Like uh, the the focus must be incredible. Because I was thinking, geez, he might miss this. The nerves, like you know, this is the one. Because it was an easy one. Yeah, and the the, the cheer was big. Like because everybody else obviously yeah. knew. Yeah. It. There's a clip going around of that, and you can see Shamey sort of. Is that yeah, right? He really? wants to sort of take a quick free almost initially, and then Killian comes walking out and takes. Uh, I, 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 yeah. Adam, like, I remember a game that we played, and uh, it was the Ulster final against Tyrone, and Ashim McConville had a free to become the Ulster all-time leading scorer at that time but he knew at the time He, he there's no doubt Ashley knew Ashley was that arguing cocky anyway but he knew that that, that free was going to kick uh, I suppose put him in, in, in the lead and Ashley just slotted over no problem at all As no. a matter of interest would you have said that to him in the lead up to it? No, you could break no he wouldn't have said it no. no no, you know there was publicity about it as well in the build up but he, he obviously read it somewhere so he did but he definitely knew about it Yeah, yeah it'd be impossible not to but anyways yeah. Killian O'Connor was also quoted um, and like I mean we were talking here on Monday like I'd say Mayo just can't believe their luck they've an all in quarter final which this is and mm. it's at home what yeah. a brilliant position for them to be in. He says, we can't wait for two weeks' time. It's fantastic to be welcoming a team of Donegal's quality to, to Casabar. That's exactly why you play the game. The lads can't wait for it. So imagine, it was just that line, the lads can't wait yeah. for it. It's just the psychology of it. Now, you know, we have what we, we've got our home game to get into a semi-final. They're, uh, I think it's, they're definitely outsiders. It could be 8 to 15 uh, outsiders. I need to check Paddy Powers for that. And uh, they have, it looks like, um, James Horn was asked what the chances of Dermot O'Connor Paddy Durkin and Matthew Ru- Ruan being fit to line out against Donegal and he says it, it's tight but it's looking positive a lot can happen in two weeks and suddenly Mayo have a huge, com- a huge like Dermot O'Connor it was his wrist right so he's flying fit he's been doing all the training so he can hit the ground completely running Durkin it was his tie he's of three weeks if it's positive about him what did Ruan do again? I oh. can't remember what he did I think it was a leg injury yeah, he, so he might hamstring maybe I'm not sure but uh, it was yeah. a bit long for a hamstring I think it was more than that but it, I, yeah. I, he might not be, have the same fitness level as. yeah as it's a great great opportunity for me isn't it yeah and you look back within the last month you know they've certainly rode their luck a bit um, in terms of, of some of the games that they've come through the Armagh game they were very lucky Armagh had opportunities to beat them down caused them serious problems in Uri as well but you know Mayo have got stronger and stronger as the campaign has gone on as well and you know for a five minute spell last week against Meath they just blitzed them so it was uh, done and dusted and they find themselves now in a real opportunity in McHale Park you know one of the biggest stands in the country and it's going to be full to capacity against you know a Donegal team who they have built up a great rivalry with in, in the last seven eight years so it's going to be something that it'll be an epic match and it'll be a game that both teams will go into feeling very very confident about yeah looking forward to really were you looking to see what happened I'm with Ruan here see 
broken collarbone. A broken collarbone. So, so he's no, running nowhere as well. near his hamstring now. So he's running as well. So like I mean, he's ain't going to be in. Fi- oh, maybe I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I've never I don't done know. Maybe collarbone. You wouldn't be running no, too much. No. Hamstring would be affected now by a broken collarbone. <laughs> <laughs> They're all linked, right? I have a sore toe. Ah, well, that's your neck. You know? um, right. So you mentioned the the Mayo Donegal uh, rivalry, and there absolutely is a rivalry there. Yeah. Um, <clears> we're going to Westport. We're going back to Westport next Thursday night to do a live show before this Mayo Donegal game. So we're very excited about that. We have Rory Gallagher confirmed and Rory Gallagher is a huge part of that rivalry because he said some absolute classics in 2013. He said that um, Mayo were colluding with Monaghan to help Monaghan beat them in the Ulster final. We, he, taught, he said that James Horn follows a predetermined script that Kieran Shannon, who is their sports psychologist, he's also a journalist with The Examiner, yeah. that he writes James Horn's uh, scripts. So James Horan, when they beat him in 2013, was interviewed after that one. He says, look, I can't talk because my sports psychologist isn't, isn't here yet to tell me what to say. McGuinness was asked about what Rory Gallagher said. And McGuinness, with a tick face on him, says, you'll have to ask Rory about that one. So McGuinness said he wasn't happy at all with with, uh, with uh, Rory Gallagher coming out, accusing Mayo of colluding with Monaghan before. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Monaghan beat Donegal yeah, the year right, after. Yeah. And then Mayo destroyed them in the, in the final. Apparently there was a famous challenge, there was a challenge game where both counties got on fairly well and then they had this challenge game which you know as challenge games go Stevie there could be one big hit and then it kind of goes from being a nice challenge game feel yeah. to a bloody you know and then it escalates and Jesus tensions were very bad in 2013 I remember between the two counties Yeah and you know it certainly was the appetite for, for the game in two weeks time so it does um, I'm looking forward to it but I still believe that Mayo will have to have all their, their top players on the field if, they, if they're going to have a chance. Even though they've got home advantage, there's something about Donegal that I really, really like this year. And maybe it's the, the impact that Stephen Rochford has had in Donegal. But I know they're raving about him up there. But definitely, you know, as a team, I think they're something special this year. Yeah, no, definitely. Look, they're looking really good. So the the lineup for the Westport show, we have a hurling show tomorrow night in Wexford, but I have the, the show already filled. I'm way ahead of myself here, lads. <laughs> so Rory Gallagher, Mark McHugh and Alan Dillon are going to talk about that, pretty much mostly about that rivalry and everything that went along with it. And then we have Tony McEntee who's going to maybe give us a little bit about Stephen Rochford, um, you know, working with him, Kevin McStay. And we have Aidan O'Mahony. Um, who's a Paddy Power ambassador and he said a few nice little things about Mayo recently he asked me will there be a guard guard of protection unit brought to to Westport with him <laughs> well so. he can sort that out himself <laughs> he can sort that out himself <laughs> yeah so that's it so we'll be releasing tickets um, pretty soon and keep your eye out for that so we're back to Westport oh the venue where did we do it the last time I'm trying to remember it's, I can't remember but I just remember Aidan O'Mahony was there the last time he was and it's the same venue we did at the last show yeah. anyways it's the hotel there at the traffic lights so that's we're, all it has yeah. <laughs> the traffic lights you'll find it we were, we were having, remember having a few drinks afterwards and O'Mahony was getting a bit annoyed because people were coming up to him he said he used to come up to him and talk to him about games and, and all stars he said now people are coming up to him and talking to him about Strictly Come Dancing <laughs> <laughs> right okay listen we'll leave it there we'll come back and we'll have a few more talking points for you he gave me back then was he, we were in the Glenroy on a night out and he, I'd never met him before and he put his arm around me and he said you won't go too far wrong if you win the ball and give it to me I said alright well okay that's great advice yeah, it was <laughs> for you Malamente
Castle Court Hotel. That was the bloody hotel I was trying to think <laughs> of just before the break. Um, yeah, so that's where we're going to be on tomorrow, tomorrow week. Um, Cork's improvement, lads, I have down here, because I was reading uh, just on the report from the match, there was 14 of the players who featured in the 320-13 hammering last year against Tyrone played again this week and should could easily have beaten Tyrone only for the start yeah. of the second half and then you thought maybe Tyrone could have pushed on and beaten them well but Cork stuck in there it's just an incredible incredible turnaround in 12 months that 14 of those players hasn't come in made wholesale changes all the same lads and I'm wondering what that what you'd be putting this down down to and it's well publicised that the players had a players meeting after the league that they went defensively during the league played defensive football got relegated didn't suit Cork it's not mm-hmm. Cork style no. it's either for you or it's not and it wasn't for Cork Cork's forwards are too good to be doing do- that kind of donkey work and I don't think they have the appetite for it it's yeah. just not suited for mm-hmm. it but it took a players meeting and then it made me think about players taking control of this you know and the motivation that players have if it's your idea you're going to work harder to make it work than you will if this is forced upon you. You know what I mean? And I'm wondering how much input... Famously last year, the Clare Hurlers, the Clare management told, um, or maybe told me on the show maybe, but definitely said it, that the players were taking ownership of the game plan. Which, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know... I don't know which way to come down on this. You don't want to give them too much say. You have to have... You're the manager. So, like, I mean, you have to have enough confidence... But I really like the idea of giving the players enough of an ownership of it to, for them to make make it want you know make them want to make it work. Yeah, listen, I think common sense prevails nowadays when you're managing teams and groups of players. You know, um, from from coaching and management points of view, you know it's great to see players actually take control of of situations like that. But probably. You know, there has to be a, a level playing field as well. You know, the management have to control things um, as much as possible as well with giving the players or making the players believe that they have, you know, their full say on, on how they how to play. But definitely, you know, if it was a players meeting that determined that they didn't any longer want to play a defensive style of football and they've gone back to their traditional Cork style of football, which, which suits the players that they have, then it's working well and you have to give them credit for it. Yeah, no, definitely. And like, I mean, I, I think on the, the players taking ownership, I think a manager coming in in his first year can't give that over. Then you look weak, yeah. right? And this, in the, in the Clare example and in this Cork example, it's been in year two. So you'll review year one and maybe you'll say, what did you think, lads? Yeah. And then you take feedback and then you maybe see, because like we always say, there you have 15 players on the field and more coming on as subs. You could have five of them brilliant analysts of the game take on what they're saying. You yeah. know, they're seeing what's going on on the field better than you are. Yeah. In fairness, it's very big of the management team then to, to take it on board because normally, like, well, a lot of cases, it would just be like, no, this is what we're doing and I'm in charge and you don't want to lose that power. But if there was a meeting called, then it is good, yeah, to sort of hear both sides of the, of the I coin. I think this was a player's... I'm not sure whether management yeah. were even asked into so that, this It's one. sort of a bit different. It's like, instead of at the start of year two, sitting down everybody together, like, what do you think we did wrong last year or whatever? You know, and then coming up with a plan. But the players calling it maybe mid-season makes it a little bit different. That's a little but, bit different, yeah. What has to happen is the management can go away then and come back maybe with a new proposal then or something because they can't... I'm, uh, and I don't know what the players sort of proposed, but I'm sure some of it might have been a bit too gung-ho or, like, you know, and the management team would have said, right, well, we still need... 
Matty Taylor's staying here for whatever reason, you know, yeah. and then sort of bring back something else that the players might say, yeah, we can get on board with that. Yeah. And then as you said, then like they've agreed to it. So it's like, well, go and do it sort of on your head a bit yeah. now. And I'm not sure, players can't call tactics and we're not saying, but, but I do take your point. Maybe players wanted a really attacking game plan and Ronan McCarthy refined it. But w- yeah. what we can agree on is that the players wanted rid of this defensive <laughs> yeah. game. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I remember for a county final with Port Leash, it was 2007. We hadn't won it in two or three years and we're playing Stradbally in the final. And Stradbally played Eamon Delaney as a sweeper. And Eamon was pushing on in his career and he wasn't, he was never much of a, he never really liked marking his man too much anyway, but he was a very good player. But as he was moved into his 30s then, the sweeping role suited him down to the ground because he was intelligent and he was smart. And I begged Kevin Fitzpatrick, Kevin Fitzpatrick's father was a selector, I begged him, I begged Kevin, please, please, please ask your father to put Zach, with Zach Tui wing back, mm-hmm. to put Zach Tui up on him. Please, I tormented him yeah. about it. And on the, the morning of the match, the manager says, we're going to put Zach up on the him. And I was, oh, fuck, thank God. Right. Zach destroyed him. Yeah. And we, he, we had no sweeper to deal with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, t- players, can, <laughs> players can help. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But a critical element of coaching when you go into a team is identify the players that you have. Mm. Look at their strengths. And if their strengths is more to- geared towards an, an attacking system, it's a waste of time implementing a defensive system into that team then absolute waste of time because it's going against you know what they're going to really add to the team and, and to winning and getting results yeah there yeah. also might be something as simple as like somebody saying lads I've never seen Rory Dean lose a kick out for example but we never have a structure around trying to get him the ball do you know and it might just be something like that that a player has noticed and, yeah. but the tactic is going to the other side of the pitch or something you yeah. know? so it can be very helpful no I think player feedback is massive like yeah. it's absolutely <clears throat> massive and it definitely around breaking balls and all stuff like this where I find that players are, are on top of that a little bit more but uh, Ronan McCarthy was quoted after the the Tyrone game and he's saying when the opposition is on top of you I think he's talking about uh, just after half time when the opposition is on top of you you go back to basics and you do those basics well we didn't do that at times I don't want to be overly critical of the players There's a mar- they're a marvellous group of players Tyrone are obviously a very experienced side a top side and when they were going to have a period of dominance and they were always going to have a period of dominance what proved critical from our point of view was that we conceded so much so quickly we went from six up to two down in the space of four minutes yeah that was outrageous. Like that was two-two game. You know, yeah. gone. Did nothing to defend. And we know Tyrone, if they were behind, might have started panicking because they don't like chasing a game. Um, but I was just wondering what year tactics for slowing the momentum down. Like if that was against Armagh, the oldest trick in the book is somebody to go down injured and break that up. But did he have set plans for that to happen, or or do players just individually? <laughs> would McGeaney just know yeah, in his own what. head and say, maybe I'll go down here because this is, this is. You always have probably the more experienced leaders on the team that will take take ownership of that there and maybe see an opportunity to I suppose buy a bit of time and it's something that we don't want to see you know we've seen quite a bit of it in, in this year's uh, championship but the head injury I'm surprised no car players yeah, well, should have been dropping yeah. down with concussion all yeah. over the field but, but maybe maybe that was an ideal opportunity if the if the shoe was on the other foot you can be guaranteed that Throne would have been doing it so you know that was probably an ideal opportunity for one of the Cork players to stand up and say right let's take the momentum away from thrown here a wee bit slow it down take a minute or two um, I suppose get ourselves reshaped and reorganised and go back at it yeah. and, and So are we being hit or hypocritical here for for almost criticising Cork for not no, there's, there's an al- there's, there is an element know? of that there absolutely yeah you don't 
you're going to get it in most games. So you are, but once it's there's too much of it, it's ridiculous. And and that's why I always say, you know, <clears throat> the stop clock would be brilliant in in the men's game because I don't I take I think it takes away all the. The, the bullshit of of um, overtime yeah. and, well, and it wouldn't take away this now. I, yeah. I understand that there, but you know a player does have to you know take responsibility on the field and try to regain momentum back towards their own team. And sometimes that may, might be going down, you know, feigning an injury and and taking a break and and trying to get their yeah. their yeah. team structure reorganized. Have you ever done it? No, never. I've never done it. No, but right. no. I've called for my inhaler a couple of times when because I'd asthma and the referee would usually stop it for that. Just in a situation where a one-one maybe has gone in and you yeah. call you call for it, but like I mean, it does make perfect sense because if Cork had done that after that Maddie Donnelly goal, and you know maybe that penalty might not have happened yeah. because you need a chance after a goal. You're a little bit all over the place, right? So you need to like just that minute, calm down, talk to yourself. The sting has gone out of it. The crowd have settled down. It seems yeah. like just a normal game yeah. because when the goal goes in, the crowd's still going mad, and it's all a little bit haywire for yeah. a minute. Yeah. But there's other ways of doing it, and, and probably goes against what we said a few minutes ago about Cork. But Cork could have overloaded their defence for that period of time, just weather the storm, and then get themselves back into it an attacking uh, mindset and go at it again. It's just you know, very surprising because the week before they conceded three one in four minutes against Dublin. So that's like two four minute periods in two games, yeah. ten yeah. points and eight points. It's, so it's just think, like, a lack of concentration, like, maybe. Yeah, this week, no matter even if they had have been like the biggest bollocks in the world, started a row or something, we would have said, well, in fairness, last week against Dublin they conceded three one in four minutes, so you can yeah. see why they were slowing it down. But like, I mean, here's the thing. Who does it? You know, who's who's the one that does it then? Is this is this talked about? Stevie says he never talked about it. We've never, I don't think no. we've ever talked about it. As a manager, maybe players might say, you know, you talk about it casually about stopping time if you concede a goal. Then who does it? Who takes ownership of that at a time when a goal has just gone in? It's not easy to remember, I'm sure, even uh, on the field at that stage that, Jesus, now I need to feign an injury. Or like the goalkeeper with the, the contact lenses yeah. is the one we always joke but about. But it has to be, like that has to be the keeper. The goal you know, anytime they, they score three points in a row or they get a goal, then you, you something's happened to you. Or the fullback or something that you can't kick the kick out anyway. Like it has to be the goalie stopping the kick out going. And then when you do kick it, Eventually, it's going to just go long and down the pitch and relieve a bit of pressure. Yeah, that, that is something that I would have done. Would would be stand in front of a kick out to try to slow momentum down. Um, definitely, I would have done that in the past. But um, any anything else? Yeah, y- your mind doesn't be on thinking no, of things like that. No, I don't. I don't believe, very difficult know. to think yeah. of that. Yeah, because you have enough in your head. Exactly, you're yeah. trying to concentrate on your own performance first and foremost, and trying to get the result for your team. So you probably don't be thinking, you know, right after go down with a head injury here or an arm injury or something like that. Yeah. I think there's something wrong about that but you know Cork probably should have done it last week yeah. you know the yeah. problem is that the keeper is being told to get the kick out away quickly so even when the ball's going on he's running back getting the ball and trying to get it set up well again. that quick kick out is completely goes against breaking yeah. momentum it <laughs> yeah. actually plays into your team's hands you should be yeah. forgetting about a short kick out after a goal goes in forget about it yeah. your outfield players are all over the balls away. <laughs> and then we obviously have Eamon Fitzmaurice talking about the runner maybe getting in slowing down a kick you know what I mean slowing it down or trying to maybe take a sting out of it or being told to get off the field all these things are going on yeah. you know does, does somebody be detailed just to grab a man and fall to the ground with him like that's, that's a very bad thing to be advocating for but like you know just roll around the ground with somebody so then the ref has to stop I think we need to get off this topic as fast <laughs> as possible <laughs> trying to investigate anything out with Stevie here and he's not biting no, at all no no no, no, no. <laughs> he's twitching there though he likes no, something no, like no, that no not twitching not twitching <laughs> 
I can't believe I'm sitting in a studio with two Ulster players and I haven't got one admission of cynicism. <laughs> so I was like, says what the Leishman. What are you the talking about? What are you talking about? One of the about? most cynical teams I ever <laughs> come up against. That's madness. Huh? We were just, uh, we were naive. Billy Sheehan was, was an angel. Uh, Absolutely angel. Billy Sheehan was an exceptional yeah, rule. He's yeah. from Kerry. We yeah. know what they're like. <laughs> All right. Um, Tyrone lads have, have made history. So they're in the semi-final. And they're in the fifth semi-final this decade. And Mickey Hart was talking about this. They must have done a me- It was after the game. He says, I think it's for a first for Tyrone that we're in three All-Ireland semi-finals in a row. I don't think ever... Oh, that's in a row and five this decade. I don't think ever in our history we've done that before. So for a team that isn't thought of much in many circles, that's a good return. So I suppose he hasn't talked about the fact they've only won one of those five. Um, well, one of those four. This will be the fifth. Yeah. Um, but I did think it was interesting saying a team that isn't taught much of in many circles you know like it's 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 his own fault for the standards they've set themselves the three yeah. all-earns in the yeah. naughties if this team came along before that team this would be a fantastic Toronto team that yeah. the county are very proud of it's just it's, it's the I, I think a lot of people still judge the current Toronto team on the team of the naughties and you know there's a huge difference for me in terms of of the class of the players of the Naughties compared to the team now, it's a fantastically you know competitive team and and some brilliant individuals in it now, but their forward unit in the Naughties was special, so it was, yeah. and I think that's the main difference between them getting to all Ireland finals and winning in comparison to where they were at uh, 10, 12 years ago because you knew when, when they got the All-Iron Finals then they had the firepower up front to absolutely blitz teams. That was the thing. So maybe, although you look at McShane and Donnelly, if they stay up front and Sludden and Hart, it's not that bad of a front four no. if they played the front four, you know? Like, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's the style just gets them bad press and they're not as Quite, quite possibly, loved. but then you look at, you compare those players with, you know, Mulligan, O'Neill, Canavan and... You know, those, ah, yeah, they those, were a those freaky set of were, forwards. Yeah, you know, Bram McGuigan, probably one of the best playmakers of of, of his era. You know, mm. Jared Cavlin, Brandon, her class acts, all brilliant, brilliant players, and and players when you know things are going against them, one of them could really pull it out of fire for them. So I'm not taking away from the throne team. I think you know they're consistently very, very good, and and the reason why they get the five semi-finals is because they know how to absolutely hammer a team when they get on top of them. But you know the. I think, and and maybe I'm judging them uh, on 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 the players of the Naughties as well. But there is a difference in the Gulf of Class, uh, particularly with the forwards. Yeah, yeah. no, I can't. it's interesting to have Mickey Hart admit that he knows they're not thought of. Though I still read that and went, "Geez, that was an interesting thing mm. for him to say." Mm. And like, sure, really, also, it was only a couple of years ago, he was coming under a bit of pressure from some Tyrone fans as well, which I thought was a bit mad at the time, but. They've only they've gotten this is their fifth semi final this decade, but they've only won three Ulsters, which and only. But when you're getting the five semi finals, you think you might win a few more Ulsters along the way as well. Oh, well so look, three out of five is not that bad. No, but three it? out of ten it is. You know, so or three Ulsters you know, out so of may, ten. People might be a bit frustrated. Yeah, at that. But, I don't but, know. But when, ah, that's an era of Monaghan and Donegal. In the noughties, they still only won three out of ten as well. Yeah, like yeah. look, look, I'm not, I'm you not, know, um, yeah. I'm not even criticising for. It. I'm just trying to think why people might not be loving them as much. The football is probably a big part of it. But when you do break it down, they've only been put out of the championship in recent years by Kerry, Dublin, or Mayo. You know, so it's only the very best teams that are 
yeah. able to Dumping beat them. them out, yep. like, They're close know. enough to that as well, yeah. So, like, I mean, he also, Mickey Hart also mentioned um, the Dublin game. So he says, we'll see how many people are fit for much more or if some people need a rest. At least now the options are open to us. So, like, I mean, here's my prediction. I know this is for next week's show in the, in the preview show. Tyrone, second 15, 15 men behind the ball. That's what they'll do. They'll play complete silly beggars altogether. It'll be a, complete, a match like that will bear no resemblance on how Tyrone will line out against uh, Dublin in the in the All Ireland final potentially if they end yeah. up playing them. That's an interesting one. But is is there much of a secret that they will have to show their hand again there at the weekend? Is there much of a secret of how they will play against when, Dublin? Yeah, yeah, maybe not, maybe not. But still, at the same time, they're not going to play that against them the next day. Yeah, like, like I mean, there'll be little bits and yeah. pieces that they might do different. But uh, yeah, you'd, maybe you know, maybe even. Personnel Richie Donnelly might play in the All Ireland final instead of Sludden in that creative role because yeah. he gives lovely balls. You don't know. Look, I'm just just off the top of my head because yeah. he put me on the spot. But <laughs> I do think that they'll just completely throw that, throw yeah. out whatever, throw out that. Yeah, uh, it would yeah. make sense because Dublin would want to be prepared playing against Tyrone and try to now match up against them and see how we'll get on if we meet them in the final. And if Tyrone play that way, there's absolutely no chance for Dublin to get any look at them on the pitch up close yeah yeah, yeah exactly um, and they might not even bring in the pitch size in Omen they might leave it the same size because uh, it's a no, it's a nothing game or bring it in on one side bring Steve, it on one side yeah. <laughs> <laughs> alright we have a final one here lads talking point and this is changes start to the starting 15 so I'm not sure who this pisses off I know it pisses off journalists and I know fans don't give a shit really about what pisses off uh, journalists to be honest but I'm, I'm still think it should be annoying fans enough to complain about it because they buy a programme they spend five euros six euros whatever it is um, on the programme and to see a team in it and then they have to look at the team and see what's on the on the field and it doesn't bear any resemblance to what they have um, on it so we know that the rule is that a panel of 26 has to be sent into the GA at 9am on Thursday morning um, so like I mean they have to do that so they're just sending in any bogey team now Dublin are notorious last week Dublin announced their team an hour before throw-in and there was three changes to it just before throw-in like I mean yeah. what's yeah, the point of that like yeah. I mean I wonder what benefit there is they're all doing it I think Dublin started it and I think every county copies the All-Ireland champions so they're all doing it James Horn made three changes Declan Bonner made three changes Kerry in fairness Eamon Fitzmaurice didn't do it that often uh, Peter Keane didn't do it until the Munster final um, I think against Cork and now he's doing it made three changes the last time Kerry didn't release their subs Donegal didn't release their subs Dublin don't release their subs yeah. they're all playing this silly <coughs> beggars game and because it's gone to the point of such silly beggars who are they fooling because if James Horan sees the Donegal team now next week is he going to pay a blind bit of interest in it He's going to plan for him playing, for him playing, for him playing. They'll focus on their own game. So at this point now, while it might have worked at the start and you're tricking him, saying, geez, well, they're playing him there and then he doesn't. And surely now that there's no benefit of doing this now, only annoying people that have, that supporters that have bought programmes and also affecting the build-up. I I still think it makes a huge difference to the build-up and, uh, you know, newspapers, preview shows yeah. everything that you don't know the bloody team 
Yeah, I always enjoy reading the comments, particularly on social media, Facebook and Twitter, you know, when, when a team is announced. I love that. I, I love when the a team is announced. Sure, it's, it, yeah. it's a waste of time. There's going to be three, four changes and, and you're almost guaranteed with most managers nowadays that that is going to be the case. Um, the, the point that Declan Bonner makes here, which I do think is, is a ridiculous point, is, you know, they have to name 26 players, which is fine. So two of his players got injured out at 26 and that therefore he was left at 24. Surely he should be able to draft two extra players in to the squad at that yeah. sort of notice. Well, it see, doesn't were, seem to be. That was to stop them pulling lads in out of nowhere and number 35. But I, see, this is the thing. But if they're releasing that on Thursday morning, like they knew Paddy McGrath was out. Neil McGee got hmm. injured during the week. Why named him? Kerry named David Moran in the 26 knowing he wasn't playing yeah. just to let him be on the team and try and let Donegal think so that was their own fault I don't know what did Donegal put him and McGee into it knowing because I think he did got the injury Neil on McGee, the Monday Neil night McGee. Neil McGee yep. so did they, they did the same thing so don't whinge about it when you actually chose to yeah. do it but what, what, but what we, as a manager though you would probably do the same right it's, it's not even about trying to trick them anymore it's just so people don't know your team like you wouldn't if you were Kerry you wouldn't want them to know that David Moran is injured because you know then they'll try and attack that the same with Neil McGee they'll try and get at them they're weak there so it's just about them not knowing your team more than anything like it used to be a case if you could trick them now you don't trick them but you still don't want them to know maybe it should be maybe what Dublin do is the right thing release their team an hour beforehand and that's it you know you look at yeah, but it has to be official Yeah, you look at you look at soccer for instance and, and they all name their team an hour before uh, kick off and that's it yeah, you know, and, yeah. and maybe that's that's the way forward for, for teams. So yes, in, in it, soccer, we've all gone to soccer games. So they'll just, this is what Declan Bonner wants. I think we should go with squad numbers. We yeah. name a squad by late Wednesday evening for Thursday morning and we lost two key players, whatever. So if you go with squad numbers, you have your 26 squad or maybe your 30 squad members in the programme. Yeah. And that's it. There's no team named in the programme. And then an hour before the kickoff, like soccer, you name your official team and there is no, that's your team. Yeah. Now, so that gives an hour. So you'd be doing, like, unless the ma- opposition management is listening in and making yeah. last minute preparations, if that's the case, well, then you can do the same thing. You know yeah. what I mean? At that stage. That's definitely a solution to this charade. Mm. Like with the game on Sunday, we're up in the press box going, what are the changes? And Alan Milton's coming mm-hmm. down to us saying, I was down there and he's in for him and you're scribbling player. It's a load of nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Name no. your bloody team an hour, you know, an hour before the game. And that's if you go with squads. So the, the old traditional programme, which I think will, I would miss that, is having the team named in the programme. Yeah. I know that I'm yeah. a traditionalist with stuff like that. It would be a shock for for people buying a programme to just see a list of panel that means nothing to anyone yeah, really that, that's, the pro- yeah. that's the soccer programmes that you see is, yeah. is the squad numbers now, yeah. and that's it and yeah. you know there, I don't think uh, going to your point Conan you know a manager shouldn't have to you know make people who are or his, or his opponents aware of exactly what way he's going to line out you know he doesn't have to be under that type of pressure so an hour beforehand should be the way forward and that's it yeah there, there is another solution so like I mean you, this I think it was Billy Sheehan I originally saw with this solution and that is you name your team on the Thursday or the Friday morning in time just to get into the programme right and any changes now, so you've all your training done by then so it's really a freak occurrence if you know you've you're done your Tuesday Thursday nights yeah. so and on a Friday night before a match Saturday or Sunday you'd be kicking around anyway you'd be doing nothing it'd be very unlucky very unusual for that to happen so you name your team on the Friday morning early that's your official team if you make any changes to that team in the meantime that's a sub gone yeah 
I think that's a good one too because like I mean that would completely disincentivize them to do it so you make your three changes yeah. now you're down you've got yeah. you've got uh, three subs yeah I, w- I wouldn't make it a sub but I would make it if say you take Neil McGee out he can't play he, he can't be on the bench anymore even so he's gone it's not a, a sub that's made sort of in game, but it means that he's not an yeah, option he's no, anymore. No longer an option. So you yeah. wouldn't mess Possibly. around with that. So <coughs> it has to be in, yeah. subs, yes. Yeah, you could lose them as subs, but yeah. you, and, but you don't like the one of if you make three changes to that, then you're you're using your subs up at that yeah, stage. Yeah, but I think that. But it's, a lot of the time, <clears throat> a manager is mulling over maybe one or two positions, and he's you know trying to decide between two or three players. And on Thursday night, he might have an opinion, put Conan in, but then on by Saturday morning, he says. Maybe Connor's not the right man for the job. Oh, and that, 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 oh God, heartbreaking! <laughs> yeah. You're but bringing that, back that, memories yeah. here. But that could be the case. And and you know, the more time manager has to think about it, you know, the more scenarios are thrown into his head, and 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 he maybe weighs things up a wee bit differently. So, you know, that's what has to be considered as well. And that's why I think yeah. you know an hour beforehand is is the best way forward. The only right. reason I don't like Billy Sheehan's one is just because players might genuinely get injured or sick. So you know, losing a sub for that's a bit harsh, but. Yeah. If they are injured and they won't be part of your panel, so it's like, oh, you told us they're injured, so they're not playing. If they come on, then you've the, the match is void or something. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, so. yeah. Okay, no, I'll, I'll take that. It's hard to know. I think maybe I'm falling down the sides of the squad numbers and the, an yeah. hour before. And there is an excitement an hour before. What's the team? What's the team? You know yeah. what I mean? Exactly, that yeah. adds into it yeah. as well. Because the, the, the one thing that during the Super 8s, when the games are coming thick and fast, I do have sympathy on managers having to get a team in when they're trying to you know get to grips with injuries they're trying to get grips to form and then they're having to release a team on the Thursday that's too that needs to change anyways Mm -hmm. we're all in agreement that there has to be a better way to do it than that now that the schedule has changed and that the games are coming so thick and fast but I thought it was funny Peter Keane was asked about not naming um, his subs he says I suppose it's difficult sometimes when you're it's my first year into it next next thing you're seeing somebody else and they're only firing out 15 um, he's talking about Declan Bonner you're saying Jesus I'm throwing out everything to some fella can I ask you a question when did you see the Donegal team was the question he asked back to a journalist asking him it's mad isn't it like it sounds so juvenile well they're doing it so yeah. we'll do yeah, it like yeah. I mean it, it does sound juvenile but this is the way these lads are thinking like they don't want any sort of an advantage even though I'm yeah. not sure it's an advantage to be given at all like I mean well what are they doing he's a grown man this is a grown this is a grown man like Peter Keane like I thought it was a good one we have will we give Shane Lowry a mention on the show here lads I avoided oh, it on Monday yeah. because I did, was wondering what the connection to GEA is obviously his father in 1982 and I was thinking it's a GEA show we're not going to start talking about golf on a GEA show um, but there's enough of a connection because I saw a tweet from Owen Liston the bomber he said Shane Lowry paid us back in spades for all the hurt his father caused us in 1982. <laughs> now I don't believe that for a second, but I can see where he's um, where he's coming from. But obviously Shane is a is a big GA man, yeah. obviously with Clara and with Offaly. So we have to give him uh, wish him congratulations at the end of this show rather than the start of last, last <laughs> one of the show. So congratulations to Shane. That was fantastic stuff. Poor Connor Sketches is a, a broken man after three days of uh, following <laughs> him around. Rash. Yeah, so we have him doing a video. Yeah, well, I think he's put a, a feel-good factor throughout the country um, with, you know, his his good fortune last week and coming through the Open. What a, what a tremendous way to do it. He led from start to finish and, you know, day by day really built momentum and it was a brilliant finish. By yeah, him. I do think that whatever you say, you, you love Rory McIlroy, I love his style of play, I love the way he gets around around, not particularly gone on, on him. Um, don't think I'd, I'd really enjoy his company all that much. Harrington is a bit of a mad thing as well. You know, 
but I think Shane Lowry for GEA people is that he's one of our own. Oh, he's one of you our know own, what yeah. I mean? And that's probably where he's getting so much kind of love is yeah. because he's one of our own. And I suppose that's probably the only way to, to say it. He's the everyman. He's the, he's the everyman, yeah. yeah. Okay, right, listen, that's all we've time for, lads. We did well enough today. We got uh, close enough to the hour. Um, we'll be back on, obviously there's no show on Monday, but we'll be back next Thursday. We'll preview the last round of, oh, we'll be back next Wednesday, actually where we'll preview all the games except for Mayo Donegal because we're in Westport, like I said, on the Thursday night. So yeah, we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Good luck. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour Football Acca. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.